Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolutely pleasure today to have uh, Austin on the podcast. So, he's not been long in the UK. So, thank you very much for jumping on. Hey, what's going on, Charlie? Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know anything about you, where are you from and who are you, Austin? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Texas my whole life. Uh, so I just came over here to the UK about a month ago. Um, spent my whole life in Texas. Did five years getting a master's at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, so I was pursuing a business degree there. Finished that. Uh, decided I hated that stuff <laughs> and started my career as a personal trainer. Um, so I've really only been personal training maybe six to eight months now. Yeah. Um, just started getting into the industry. I've been training for the last eight years. Um, Realized I wanted to follow that passion and not sit in an office all day. And it's been, it's been a, an amazing thing to be able to help everybody and just kind of, you know, fix all the people that were going to be doing what I was doing um, coming into the gym. Um, so I'm here in the UK now. I've been here about a month. My wife is doing her master's degree here at UCL. Um, so we're here probably a couple of years. Um, we're ready to kind of settle a little bit. So we've been, we've been enjoying London quite a bit. So we'll probably be here for a little while. Awesome. What whereabouts in Texas are you from specifically? So grew up in San Antonio, but lived the last five, six years in Austin with, okay. uh, at the university. Yeah. Okay. So slightly further north. So I was in, as we talked about before we started the podcast, I've been in, I was in Houston recently uh, to All right. the latest straight Nate winners. So like that for me was a, was a fascinating experience. I've, I haven't been to the US a huge amount. I went to uh, Columbus, Ohio earlier in the year. Uh, and Texas was a, it was a different different kettle of fish. And like the big thing I love, like one thing I love about America and Americans, they're they are the nicest people in the world, other than maybe Canadians. Uh, <laughs> like everyone's super friendly, in particular in Texas, like the nicest. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe since you come over to London, like the one thing I hate is like no one talks to anyone. So like it almost feels, it seems weird in America, like people stop and talk to you. Like when you're from England or from London, you're like, why are you talking? <laughs> like it's just a bit bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely been a thing here. You know, I moved over here not knowing anybody and was expecting, you know, in the U.S., people come up to you in the gym and be like, hey, man, what's going on? What are you working out? Um, and it's been a little bit different here. So, uh, yeah, maybe I, need to, maybe I need to be the nice guy and start talking to people. So, um, obviously, one of the things we're going to talk about today in depth was, like, the cultural differences in terms of, like, fitness, food, and, like, a bit of, like, the obesity issues that are in the U.S. quite heavily in, uh, in Texas as well, and particularly, obviously, it's coming towards the U.K., would you say there's any like big positives or anything you've learned since you've been in the UK from anything slightly different here with maybe like a fitness or training approaches or anything from that side culturally? Yeah. So, you know, fitness is, is one thing, but just general health has been much better here. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you walk around and the food choices here are far, far better than we have in the U US. Um, you can walk through and there'll be five, 10, 15 different places on one block that all sell really healthy, fresh food, um, yeah. nutritious, and it's not, just, it's not just bad stuff that tastes good. Um, so I think, I don't know what it is that led to that, um, but when you go into the gyms here, everybody's just generally fairly healthy. Um, they're working to maybe improve their physiques, whereas in the U.S., everyone's fighting to lose weight and yeah. just get healthy and fight against those weight-related weight um, diseases and things like that. So it's, it's a big difference. Um, I don't know what culturally led to that far shift between the two, but it's, it's very clear being here that everyone's just, just healthy. It's nice. 
That's interesting. Like, the big thing I noticed, like you know, the first time I went to the States earlier in the year to Columbus, uh, that I would say America seems more like the land of extremes in terms of like even like the wealth, like the poverty gap and like, but then like the size of people. So someone here might be a little bit overweight and then people in the US are huge to the point where like you can't walk and like, like extreme, extreme obesity, which is quite shocking to see in, in some respects. Yeah, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be a few people here um, at the gym always that are a little bit overweight, but it's, it's not to the point where you're just kind of worried for them. Whereas as a coach and a trainer, where they would come in and be like, yeah, maybe you could lose 10 to 20 pounds. And it's not, it's not something where you have to have that conversation of, you know, you're putting yourself at risk for some serious diseases here. Um, so it's definitely a, a big difference and just big time obesity in the U.S. And that's a major problem that, that everyone's facing there right now. I think like one of the things I said to you earlier was that, that fascinates me similar in Dubai is that like you have the like you have the root cause you have the, the solution and the problem at the same time is so big like you've got like the all these restaurants that serve huge portions like super calorie dense and like amazing tasting food but mm-hmm. incredibly fattening but then you've also on the other hand you've got like the best gyms the best supplements the best trainers so you've got the problem and the solution all wrapped up together it's almost like a a money-making Ponzi scheme together to like bounce one to the other almost. Yeah. It's, it's a vicious cycle for some people just flip-flopping back and forth between spending thousands of dollars on a trainer and then going and spending all your money on alcohol and food and just back and forth. It, it's a, it's a lifetime fight for some people that um, just the culture of the U S kind of starts to put people in. And it's sometimes sad to see people, people go through that. I think um, out, out of curiosity, did you find, obviously in the states you can't drink till you're 21 and it's slightly mm. more frowned upon more weird like slightly more liberal uh yeah in europe do you think that has like like realistically you would expect that the fact that people can't drink until they're slightly older that it would make it less likely that they'll get into that but does that really yeah. have much of an influence i mean generally not really i mean if you want to drink in the u.s it's you're, you're going to get your hands on some alcohol. Um, I find that it leads to more of a binge drinking problem. Yeah. Same thing with people binge eating. I mean, you, you get a weekend where you finally get someone to buy you some beer and yeah. you binge cause you actually have it rather than it being like just a night out with the boys and having a couple beers it it becomes a problem every weekend, you know, teenagers are like, where am I going to get my alcohol and how much can I drink this weekend? And it, it starts that, that problem there. Now, um, obviously, being from the US, I've got a few clients who I, I would consider uh, very heavily overweight, who have lost a lot of weight. And mm-hmm. like, it's just talk in terms of like what I personally found the best way to try and get them to lose weight is often they end up actually having to eat, in terms of volume of food, a hell of a lot more than they're actually probably eating at the moment. Because if they're eating, it's like, for example, I love, I love Pop-Tarts and it's sad, but, uh, <laughs> but like in terms of like the amount of calories and carbohydrates, but like the size of what you're actually eating, the volume mm-hmm. is so small. Yeah. Whereas like if you would eat that from sweet potato or oats or rice or whatever, like you can eat so much food. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find is um, fascinating with like clients in particular when they're very heavily overweight, they can eat so much more actual volume of food when it's the correct healthy food choices yeah and just because it's not like stupidly calorie dense (laughs) yeah that's that's the thing people people get on these diets and they're like i'm not eating anything but it's just it's not nutrient dense food it's just it's just full of calories and stuff you don't need in your body and it's it feels like you're not really eating anything so yeah that's that's a big thing it's just getting people to switch to good healthy foods it's just sometimes that we just don't see and aren't in front of us in the U.S. as they seem to be here. 
One thing I, I did notice, I saw in text, I'm not sure if it was like a, a law that you had to have everywhere, which I think was quite good, was um, a lot of the menus had calories on. Which yeah. Like when you want to try and relax, not necessarily a good thing. Like, I went to Cheesecake Factory, I worked out that I'd eaten like nearly 3,500 calories in a meal, and I was like, that's quite excessive. And then, Just uh, stay away from the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. <laughs> the Oreo Extreme Cheesecake is probably my favorite, but at 1,700 calories a slice, it's... It's quite damaging if you're someone who's looking to try and stay lean, or if you've got uh, if you're in a fat loss phase, I would avoid that like plague because yeah, that's going to cause problems. Yeah, I think it's it's been like that a few years now, um, and I think it's a certain size restaurant has has to put their calorie count on all the food. Um, but I actually read something a few years ago that it doesn't deter any food choices at all. Um, uh, great. Yeah, that people just overlook it and. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, like, you go to McDonald's, they have them here too, but, and a lot of people use this, but if you actually look at those calories that they're putting up, it's worse for you to get one of their salads because it's, it's just covered in, it's fried chicken and it's covered in ranch. And you look at it, you're like, shoot, you know, I've been having salads all day and it's, uh, it's not good. That's one of the things I think people need to be aware of is like, uh, again, something I find frustrating and you must get it all the time with your clients. And when people say, like, but I eat really healthy all the time, but I'm not losing weight. It's like, yeah. Okay, well, you can eat health, like healthily from a, like, a longevity and health perspective, but mm-hmm. for fat loss and to be lean, like, that's a completely different kettle of fish. It's like, for example, like, uh, healthy fats in terms of avocados, extra virgin olive oil, all phenomenally good but if you, for you in terms of health. But if you start pouring on 30, 40 grams of olive oil on everything, you're going to yeah. rapidly quickly start piling on weight from the extra calories from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like uh, olive oil, avocado, avocados are a big one. Yeah. You know, people are like, I had an avocado for a snack, like it's three, 400 calories there, you know? It's a yeah. uh, really tight yeah. volume of food as well. Like, you yeah. know, like, I was talking about times about the volume of food. If you were to eat that from like rice cakes, as an example, mm-hmm. like, so like eat 400 calories from rice cakes and you put them out in front of them, they'd probably get bored by the time they got to like about 400. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's right. So like on that note, I have discovered a nice rice cake. I, I don't know, Americans probably aren't into Marmite. I don't know. Have you tried Marmite yet? Is a... Uh, like the black, it's like a black spread. Like there's a yeah, marmite okay. and it's, rice. Is cake. it really, really protein dense? Uh, yeah, it's quite like yeasty. Is that? Is yeah, it? yeah. So I think like my my wife loves uh, like almond butters and stuff yeah. like that. And I think she saw a jar of it. She was like, "Oh man, this is incredible! Like incredibly good for you." She's like, "I'm gonna spread it on everything." And yeah. she tried it, and I think about threw up, and we tossed it, <laughs> it tossed it in the bin. It's a quiet taste, but uh, on, on a random side note for anyone who's listening, the. Uh, Marmite flavored rice cakes, if you're into Marmite, are phenomenally good. So I would highly suggest <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you've got a bit of obscure taste. Um, but digressing aside, so in terms of obviously like the US, in terms of the obesity, like the larger clients, I think it's something, again, we can try and provide more value for anyone who's listening. Who, if you're a slightly larger lady or chap, in terms of losing weight, the easiest I think I find for them, um, again, is put them in some form of calorie controlled diet. And then also just really basic exercise, like as simple as literally, if you just say to them, go for a walk for half an hour first thing in the morning, if you weigh 300 pounds, walking for 30 minutes is going to burn a lot of calories in particular if you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. I can see like on your wrist, you've got a Fitbit on. Is that a Fitbit watch? Oh, that's an Apple watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Close. <laughs> it tracks your steps though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. been so, getting a lot more since I've been here with no car. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's, that's my problem. I work from home, work from a desk, so I actually have to actively make myself walk. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't really go anywhere. I walk from my like 
my house to my car and that's about it. So um, one big thing I recommend for anyone who, um, if you're just starting out your fitness journey and you're perhaps intimidated or nervous to go to the gym, I find works really well is to use like an Apple Watch, your phone, or I use like what's called an Aura Ring, um, and then track how many steps you're doing every day and then almost have like a little game with yourself to see how high you can get step count up is a really easy way just to be active and burn more calories. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. My Apple Watch dings me several times a day. You know, like you're almost at your exercise goal. And I think it only puts it for 30 minutes and you can just hit that exercise button and helps you, you know, get your daily goal there. It's, it's pretty easy to get there. Now, are you based in a gym training clients in Austin? I was, yeah. I was at Gold's Gym in Austin. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you doing that over here as well in the UK? Uh, so I'm just kidding. I'll probably pick a gym to start at about next week. I've been interviewing and trying to find what's going to fit. It's a, it's a little bit different setup here with uh with gyms and pts and how they work yeah yeah so in the u.s most gyms are you know employee based where the client pays the gym 50 bucks and uh the trainer gets 20 25 or is here it's that rent-based model so it's it's a little bit different in that but i think i think i'm gonna like it yeah i think it's um the uk fitness industry is this a big opportunity i think for people like yourself with a lot of experiences coming from the u.s like mm-hmm you know what talking about obviously you can tell from your own physique because unfortunately there's a lot of people um you go into personal training and like having been there and done that and done all the wrong things for a long time yeah. the personal training qualifications are a very low standard barrier to entry and mm-hmm. i don't think they really fail anyone to be perfectly honest i did mine like 10 years ago <laughs> and what i knew when i did that 10 years ago like compared to now is like night and day and every, every like six months i feel like you just never stop learning. I think the point where you you feel like you know everything, you know nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, the same thing, personal training exam really teaches you nothing about training clients. It's it's some science here and there, but there's there's not much there in that. So it's it's definitely something that you need to be experienced in before you jump into it and start start helping other people. I think it's one of those things is um theory and practice are two different things. Reading a book and then anecdotal experience. Like I have a lot of debates. I did a podcast recently, um, and we were talking about the like uh, science-based uh, studies versus like anecdotal evidence of what works with clients. And yeah. from like my opinion, I always go with like anecdotal experience of what works rather than what a study says, because like studies can be manipulated and spun, as you often will see with, like big pharmaceutical companies and supplement companies to get the result they want. <laughs> Um, very, very easily done depending on like the test subjects they put into it and everything like that. Spin the results to get whatever they want out of it or they just keep doing the study until they get the result they like and then publish that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> for anyone listening, be wary of that, that perhaps. Um, in terms of obviously you coming over from, from the US with your fitness experience, what would be the big tips you'd have for anyone who's perhaps slightly heavier, who's looking to lose weight, do you have any sort of like set protocols or things you like to start people off with? Uh, my first go-to is just to get them tracking their food and understanding what's going in. That's, that's the biggest thing is people just, they don't know what they're eating. Yeah. Uh, so just understanding because, you know, I'll start with a client and I'll say, all right, next week when you come back, I want you to have your food tracked. And then I'll start talking them through, you know, what they eat in the, ate in the previous week. And they're like, oh, okay, I went to Chipotle and, uh, you know, I got some rice and beans and they don't, they don't think about, oh, I put avocado, I put sour cream on it, I had beef yeah. on it, and yeah. all, of, all of these extra things that are, that are just adding calories into the diet. So that's always my start is just, and that's, that's my philosophy as a coach, is just education. 
um, giving out that information so clients can take that and move on from there and actually learn what's going to help them do better in the future. That, that's the, I think the greatest word you've ever said then is learn. And I think that's what like people need to invest in themselves because if you invest in yourself and you learn, then like if you learn from you, for example, how to like be aware of what you're eating, then that's a, like a skill and that's a gift that you will then have for life that you'll be able mm-hmm. to stay lean or lose weight as, as and when you want to, because you're actually aware and conscious of what you're consuming on a day-to-day basis rather than like being ignorant almost. I think if you can't quantify something in terms of what your your calorie intake is or your calorie output is, then you can't control it essentially. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, is a lot of times people are only gaining, you know, one pound a month and it's it's not that many calories over a day's period. You know, it's 50, 100 calories. And so just understanding what the few things are that are putting them over the line and cutting those out, it, it becomes a, a learning thing and then a lifelong habit of you know these are the things that i can avoid and you know this is about how much i eat in a day because you know 99 percent of us aren't going to track our macros for a whole life you know we're gonna we're gonna understand what we're eating at the beginning track our stuff and then realize all right no this is just intuitive eating this is what i need to put in my body it's one of those things that people say to me like do you weigh your food every single meal and like if i'm a high i will do um but like generally once you weighed out for example like 160 grams of chicken if you've done it like a hundred times yeah probably pretty much eyeball like five to ten grams and like yeah five to ten grams over or under isn't necessarily an issue like what i would say to anyone if you're in a fat loss phase always try and slightly underdo it rather than overdo it mm-hmm. uh, particularly say like if you're eating or out, eating out or anything like that i'd always overestimate slightly how many calories yeah. there are in something and just play it safe um because like generally when you tend to eat out at a lot of restaurants um the problem is you tend to find is a lot of the food has a lot higher fat content because the oils they tend to cook everything in mm-hmm. um, which quickly racks up the overall calories like i've been traveling in shit time recently like last month i was only in the uk like 12 days and it was the that's that's the difficult thing is trying to keep your diet together is like mm-hmm. trying to keep the calories down enough so i purposely put myself into like a like a gaining phase because I wanted to try and like <laughs> traveling. So I was like, well, I'm trying to be super king anal and stay super lean all the time. And I was like, let's try and push the calories up a little bit and enjoy yourself a bit and you, you can get away with it a bit. So um, that's quite a, a take home point I'd take with anyone is if you've got like face your like, yearly goals in terms of like breaking them up into like cutting and bulking depending on your schedule for the year. So Generally, I find it easier to cut when you've got a clear diary and you've got perfect structure and routine, um, just because then you're less likely to get led astray. Whereas if you're going on holiday, you don't necessarily want to be trying to get super lean during that phase. Chances are you probably want to try and enjoy yourself a little bit while you're away. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Your uh, fitness should, should line up with your life as much as it can. It uh, shouldn't, shouldn't consume everything you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope, I think, that with um social media now as well like you mentioned to me in terms of like, i was at the alpha league gym in texas uh, yeah. like that's a, a funny melting pot of um people in a, in a weird respect because uh, have you ever been there i haven't been to the alpha league gym i haven't been to houston in probably eight years it's too hot for me <laughs> I, was, I was shocked how like tropical it was to be fair i felt like um might be a bit of mexico but like, tropical humidity almost oh it's just the air is just wet Yes, it's just damp. Damp's not nice. But um, in terms of the, like the gym, there it had a, like 
you could see had a bit of a funny vibe with some people in there who were mm-hmm. also very heavily influenced by what they were doing for social media, which is cool. And the fact that like, that's what you and me obviously both doing what we're doing now on the podcast, but mm-hmm. how when people only train or try and do certain things to, uh, to portray a certain appearance rather than for necessarily the end goal they want to achieve for themselves. Which yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I could definitely see that at the athlete gym, given how much, you know, I think that was kind of built on social media from uh, Christian Guzman and, and his whole thing. And so I could see a lot of people going there thinking, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the same thing and, and putting their focus into social media and building their Instagram. And they don't realize that they haven't put the work into their own body yet. No, no. And like the thing is like, one thing I always like to say is like, if you make yourself so good, like, like as amazing as a trainer, as a person, as a physique, if that's something you want to do, then like it's a gravitational effect. The better you make yourself, the more people you pull to, you know, the cream will rise to the top, as they say. It's like you make yourself better than everyone else and then mm-hmm. document the journey of what you're doing along the way and help as many people as you can. Like by law of attraction, you will get to where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like uh, you shouldn't have to tell people that, that you're doing the right thing. It should, be, it should be a visible thing with whatever you're doing. You just do uh, it. With, mm-hmm. uh, with your own training then, how do you set up your own training? What, what do you kind of do yourself in Austin? Uh, so I've been on the same split shoot since I started. Uh, I do uh, um, chest and triceps, back and biceps, shoulders, legs. Um, you can call it the bro split. I've been, I've been sitting that for the last <laughs> eight years. Um, and, you know, kind of the same thing. I've been, been doing a lot of reading lately that, you know, push-pull legs might be more optimal um, in a different split like that. Um, you know, it, it, it works for me. It's what I enjoy doing. And so kind of just what we've been talking about, you know, makes me happy. I'm getting the right amount of volume during the week and I've seen success with it. Um, so that's, that's the split I've been doing. And I just kind of, I roll through it. I don't have like Monday, I hit chest, Tuesday, I hit back. I just roll through it when I need an off day, I take it. I just listen to myself and that's, that's what's made me happy. And kind of why I haven't pursued any type of competition or anything like that. It's just so enjoyable to me. Um, it's more of a passion rather than, you know, let me make this a job and tracking everything I do and making it as perfectly optimal as I can, you know? That, that's for me is what I love. Like it's, I'm very much the same in terms of you have to do what you enjoy and how you feel with your training at the time within a reason. Like I used to do the push pull legs thing for a long time. And yeah. I went in, I've tried loads of stuff recently, like training twice a day, like bro splits, high volume, I'm actually like, I'm going to go back to push pull legs for a little phase now, but I just go on how I feel at the time and how my schedule is, how much time is and how, how my body feels. Like I feel in a phase where I want to, I want to try and train a bit heavier and like push pull legs probably mm-hmm. optimizes that a little bit more. Um, so it's just, I think, as you said, like doing what you enjoy, almost like when you have some experience and you understand what you're doing within reason, do intuitively what you want to do and then you'll love the process and then it's, it doesn't become an effort to then go to the gym and train at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, some days I'll, I'll take it easy on my, on my first lift of the day and I'll be like, you know, I feel fresh. I'm going to go back and hit some arms tonight, some core, do some cardio. It's just, it's one of those things that if I'm enjoying it, you know, I'm going to go and you'll see results if you're having fun with it. And that's, that's one thing that, you know, I don't know how it is here, but people in the U S have the stigma of just like the gym's an awful place to be, you know, like it's, I don't want to be there. It's grueling. And I think it's because they pursue, you know, they show up and they do like a hit class and yeah, 30 minutes of hits going to be the worst 30 minutes of your life. 
Yeah. And if you go on the treadmill for an hour, it's, it's not going to be fun. It's boring. And, you know, so uh, that's one thing I, I try to instill in clients and people that I'm working with is that, like, this should be something you're excited about. Um, and that's why, that's why I push everyone to do weight training because you, it's not grueling. You should have fun. You're going to see results. You'll see your strength go up, everything like that. Like that. I think with weight training as well, like, the thing I try and advocate to everyone is that weight training is a skill. And it's a skill to learn the technique and how to train and contract muscles and stay stable at your scapular shoulder, at your, uh, at your hips. And like that in itself is a lot more to think about when training rather than just like if you're doing CrossFit, it's like people just throwing weight around and going hell, hell for leathery stuff. Like it, it tends to be a bit of a recipe for disaster, particularly with beginners. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know what you guys, do you have Orange Theory here in the UK? I've heard of it. Okay, it. so it's it's basically just like a, like a high intensity class. Oh, it's like it's kind of like an F forty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's super competitive, super explosive movements. Uh, but the people that that generally come to these classes are are beginners, yeah. and they're doing these explosive movements that shouldn't be done by anyone who's not previously trained and and you know functional, just basic you know hinge, squat, push, um, and then. They'd show up to Golds, be like, dude, my knee hurts, my hip hurts, my shoulder's out of whack. And I'm like, we've been doing orange steering at 45 four days a week, and y- your body doesn't know how to move right. And I think, again, it comes back down to talking about it, it's like training is a skill. And that's like, I love CrossFit in terms of the team ethos and mm-hmm. the atmosphere and that people push each other and like train together is awesome. My two big negatives are that there's absolutely no training programming on what the hell they're planning on training that day. It's just sort of like, let's just turn up and do something. And secondly is that, um, that uh, as you said, the vast majority of people who turn up to do it are trying to do exercises that are way too advanced for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an experienced trainer, so yourself, but like, I can't overhead squat because I haven't got the mobility or stability to do that correctly. I can get away with it because I've got the strength to do it. But like, mm-hmm. if I was trying to do it repeatedly, I'm going to get an injury eventually at some point. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start doing as many cleans as I can in a minute. I can. I can do a few, but I'm not trained in Olympic movements. Yeah. And so I'm not just going to bust those out. So that's. It's a, sometimes a frustrating thing to see. Um, also, if you like that's like different. Like, you obviously you're a tall chap. How how tall are you, Austin? Six foot four. Why is everyone in the US so big? I go to America, genuinely, I feel short. <laughs> it uh, might be a Texas thing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Do you find um, any movements more challenging or machines, or do you have to adapt to your training due to your height? Uh, I mean, yeah, first I felt like it was kind of a hindrance. You know, it's like, you know, my range of motion is a lot further. Um, but You bring the bar down and smell on top of it. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, I don't find it to be much different. It's a little bit harder to, to pack on some muscle mass compared, compared to someone who's, you know, five foot six. Um, but also, I feel like the benefits are a little bit better. Um, I, I mean, I enjoy being tall. Um, but uh, I, I'd say the, the biggest thing I see is some, some machines are built for more of the average height yeah. person. Um, and same thing on the other end of the spectrum. As a tall guy, sometimes I don't fit in the machines, but then I see really short people that – it's not built for them either. So it's kind of stuck in the middle right there. So I think we're all fighting against something. With your uh, height as well, I think one of the benefits is your calories. I imagine you can take in are a lot higher just because mm-hmm. of your sheer size. What do you, what do you weigh at six or four? Uh, I'm about 
220, 220 pounds. So it would be about 100 kilos right now. Yeah. So what would you set your calories at? Are like you sort of like a maintenance phase yourself at the moment? or? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tracked a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm sitting somewhere between 27 and 3,000 calories right now. Um, I haven't tracked food in, in quite a long time. Um, and I've, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of just understanding week by week. You know, if I, it's one of those things where I've kind of learned what my body needs. And so if I'm doing a cut and I don't lose any weight, or I'm losing too much. I just, I change it up from there. But I think, yeah, I've been maintaining right now. Um, I'm kind of at this point where I'm happy with my physique and uh, I start putting on weight to bulk and I, I feel awful. And so <laughs> I'm enjoying it right now. That's, um, I think the most difficult thing that people underestimate for like me, I find it incredibly, it's not easy, but getting lean is very, very simple when you know how to do it. It's like, it's just like a more of attrition, basically a matter of time. Once you put yourself in a slight calorie deficit, do a bit of cardio, repeat the process for a period of time and then job done. It's yeah. like, let's go. But, um, trying to grow muscle is a much more, um, difficult and longer term process. And you also the challenge that like, Obviously, we're coming into winter now that a lot of people will be going into this. Like I am myself, but I'm about starting to diet phase again. Um, that, like, when you try and add on muscle tissue at any rate, you like you will accrue body fat. It's impossible not to because you have to be in a calorie surplus. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to give your body the raw materials to do so. So I think anyone who's listening who's looking to try and grow muscle, you have to be aware that it's not going to happen overnight and you will have to like always start a super lean position because then it gives you the leeway to come up again with your body fat without getting out of hand mm-hmm. would be my big take home tip. Did you find like you had a period where you grew quite quickly in terms of muscle mass or did it gradually sort of come on? Yeah. So I started pretty young. I started training when I was 15, um, lifting weights then. And so for the next four years, so until I was about 19, I just did a gaining phase because I was, I was six foot four and, probably 165 pounds. Um, so I was just a tall and skinny kid. And it's, it's always a battle for me, just like you said, for you to, to put on weight. Uh, my body naturally wants to sit a little leaner, which is, you know, a nice thing to have. But so it, it took me about four years to get up to, you know, 165. And I think I peaked at 228, 230, and then did a cut down from there. And so each year I'll, I'll do a, a gaining phase and a cutting phase from there now. Would you say it seems more of an American cultural thing to do, like more of the heavy bulk, like dirty bulk (laughs) weight? Because I think I see a lot of that going in the States and people say it to me and I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. I'd say it's it's pretty common to just, you know, let it go. It's it's so easy. Yeah, it's it's easy to just, you know, kind of let it go and say, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And uh, at least uh, at least I avoid alcohol. For the most part so i don't i don't say i'm gonna gain by drinking beer all day so that's that's been helpful but it's uh yeah it's just the uh, the food choices like we were talking about are so so vastly different in the two places my um like even when i went the two places i got lured into most when i was in texas were uh obviously cheesecake factory no given and then uh papacita is like a mexican restaurant oh yeah yeah like, oh. My, my friend I was with today, like, texted me again today. I was like, I miss Papacitas. And I was like, dude, don't. But, like, the portions are so big, you can't help yourself. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, the, the good thing for me is that those portions generally, you know, kind of fit my size. And yeah. so then I come here and I've, 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 
I think I probably eat at Pret like four times a week. I love it. Um, but I'll have to get like three or four meals there. That's an exaggeration, but, uh, it's, uh, portions are, are much smaller here, but obviously it, it's been paying off for the country and everybody with uh, how healthy everyone's looking here. hundred percent. You, you might have, you probably have the same thing with yourself and your wife is mine. Like, do you, do you end up finishing off half of her meal when you go out for dinner? Like, does she eat all of her food or is she, I end up like picking up around the table with whoever's left. She, she can eat. Uh, so she usually ends up taking a couple bites off mine. And then I look over, I look over her plate to take some of her food and it's gone. So <laughs> we have to go out for dessert afterwards sometimes. What's your, uh, obviously we talked about food, my favorite places in the U S what's your favorite food since you've been in the UK and then you can't say prep cause that's a terrible. Oh, shoot. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of what, what we had. We went to a, a pizza place the other, the other night, like Franco something. I don't oh, know Franco if it's I think so. Yeah, I think so. The pizza was good, um, but my wife said her salad was awful, so we won't be back there. I think they were focused on the pizza. Um, but we, uh, especially since moving, it's been been pretty expensive, so we've been trying to trying to eat in. Right in. Here. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, what would be one um, leaving piece of advice for anyone who, on their f- sort of fat loss and muscle building journey, that you'd like to leave with someone as a big tip from yourself? What's the biggest point you've probably learned in the last six months, would you say? Uh, biggest, biggest tip is just be ready to make some adjustments. Um, that's the biggest thing is make changes, track your progress. You know, something's not going right, which is inevitably going to happen. Uh, you have to be ready to make some adjustments there. So tracking yourself and know what your goal is. So if you're trying to gain two pounds a week or lose two pounds a week, be specific. you're somewhere different than that. Then you need to know, you know, if you, if you didn't lose your two pounds, not the end of the world and the next week, don't try and lose five, just get back on track and, and fix it from there. Um, just not overthinking things. It's huge. Just be ready to, to make adjustments. And, uh, you know, if, if you're not experienced, I think I, I think a lot of us in the fitness industry realize that I don't think we would call it wasted, but spent a lot of time trying to teach ourselves in the beginning. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, three, four five years of, you know, doing stuff that we can look back and say, you know, that probably wasn't smart and the right way to go about it. Um, so looking, looking to someone to, to help you out, hire a coach, it's, uh, it's like we said, it's an investment in your education and your health and your just overall life. Uh, it's external. External accountability for me is key in like all aspects of life. And I think it's almost mm-hmm. like a, a less stressful experience in that respect. And you can learn a hell of a lot. Um, and it is, as we said earlier, it's like once you learn that gift of how to train, how to look after your body, like that's a gift you'll then have for life that you can take with you as you, as you go through the journey. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, how can anyone find out find out a bit about yours? What's the easiest way to reach out to you? Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, Instagram is going to be uh, at Austin uh, Austin dot is my Instagram. Uh, just launched my website, and so uh, just you know, starting to get into the uh, whole Instagram game, training stuff. It's been it's been fun. I love it so far. Awesome, awesome. Absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, everybody, and uh, we'll hope to talk soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you.